YouTube is very different from other social media platforms. And so you really have to be putting out a lot of content. Although recently I've been, you know, going between this quality versus quantity thing in my head. And I do think that the quantity can be really helpful in the early stages, but I think you can then switch to quality over quantity and not have to upload so many videos. But in the early stages, you definitely have to be uploading consistently. You have to have great artwork on the thumbnails. You have to be doing your research on the titles. What is a searchable title? What are people searching in Google and YouTube that your video is gonna come up because really and truly they probably won't know you initially. Welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm Nikki Hutchison, business and marketing expert and passionate supporter of entrepreneurial women. I've spent my career creating brands and growing businesses, mainly within ad agencies, but I've also run businesses, including two of my own over the past 10 years. I grew both of my businesses using predominantly organic marketing. That's marketing that costs nothing or very little. I believe, in fact, I know that getting your organic marketing right first is vital before spending any money on ads. Otherwise, there's a high chance you're going to burn through lots of cash. And the great thing about organic marketing is that it's the perfect way to grow an engaged audience around your business. On this episode of the Audience Growth Podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Vanessa Camby, who has grown her own, I would describe it as a large YouTube audience, using organic marketing. Vanessa knows loads about YouTube. She edits all her own videos. She records long form, short form. She is just very knowledgeable about the platform. And she has grown a community and a following that's enabled her to monetize the business to the extent that it now supports her and her family. So let's dive in and learn how to grow an audience on YouTube today. Hi, Vanessa, and welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. It's been a while. Thanks so much for having me. I know I've not spoken to you in, it actually feels like years, but it's probably months. (laughs) Not in person anyway. So we've obviously known each other for a while, but for anyone who hasn't come across you, can you just explain a little bit about your business? Because I know you've got a few things going on. Yeah, sure. So my main job, quote unquote, is my YouTube channel. So I've got 160,000 subscribers, 20 million Woo-hoo! views on my channel, and my total social reach is over 200,000. I also have a new part of my business, which is called the Ghana Guide, which is basically selling itineraries to my audience. And I also do house tours on my channel. So I basically make revenue through house sales as well, commissioned from that. I recently hosted a podcast on BBC Sounds called Word Up, and I've been featured in Vogue, appeared in several TV shows across BBC Channel 4, STV, a lot of like radio appearances. And I also used to have a podcast called Magnificent Mothers. So yeah, I've done a few things. Not bad for a girl from Edinburgh. (laughs) (laughs) So anyone who wants to go and have a look, I mean, these house tours are just pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> These houses, they're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. They can find you where on YouTube? So if you just search my name, Vanessa Canby, K-A-N-B-I, I should come up. I should come up as soon as you type Vanessa and then K. So hopefully you'll find me. Excellent. So this podcast is all about audience growth, not just for the sake of having a big audience, 
but so that business owners listening can grow an engaged audience of people who will hopefully turn into supporters and ultimately customers or clients. So more of a community than an audience, really. I would love to hear from you where you first started trying to grow your community. So I had my second child, my daughter. She's about to turn six. So that was like six years ago. I completely changed my direction of my life. I had a completely different career before I had her. And then when she was about one, I decided I wanted to do something from home. And that's when I started my YouTube channel because it was something I could do from home whilst looking after my daughter when she was sleeping and stuff like that. And then from there, I actually started making content for BBC The Social. And then like it kind of snowballed from there. So that was the start of the journey. But I never actually looked at it as trying to grow an audience. I knew that it would be my career from the start, like from the very first day that I bought my camera. But I never was thinking about it in terms of like growing an audience, weirdly. So you were thinking about more in terms of making a living, were you? So I was thinking about doing something that I wanted to do. So I feel like my whole life, I always want to do something that I enjoy. And I loved, you know, filming, learning a new craft, sharing knowledge with other people. So I think I was thinking about it in that way. And then, yeah, in turn, making a living from it. But I mean, that took a long time, like years. (laughs) So yeah, it was more just, you know, sharing value with other people that I felt that I could share was probably my main mission at that time. So I feel like you've got this really clear niche and it's just a perfect fit for you, all of the content that you're creating in Ghana. But that's not where you started, is it? That's not what you were creating in the beginning. No. So what I started off doing, because I had a young child and I was all about like parenting. I mean, that was my whole life was just being with my two children. So I started off with parenting content and then I moved on to Ghana like a couple of years later. But initially, it was parenting content through and through, like natural birth videos, talking about breastfeeding, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, things have definitely changed. I know that recently you've been splitting your time, haven't you, between the UK and Ghana. So what led you to make that jump initially? So I, for my whole life, ever since I was probably about 12, have wanted to live in Ghana for at least a year. I always said I wanted to, you know, give it a try. I've been going to Ghana ever since I was three years old. My dad's from Ghana, my mom's from Scotland. I was born and raised in Edinburgh in Scotland. And so I had a really whole experience of like, you know, being Scottish, being in Edinburgh, but I didn't have that experience of living in Ghana, immersing in that culture. So it's something that I really wanted to do from a really young age. And then I realized that I had to build a career around that goal of moving to Ghana. And so that's kind of when I changed the direction of my channel to Ghana, because I realized that actually this channel could take me there. And also my husband had a career here in Scotland. So I knew that I had to build my career to a point where he could basically come away from his job and work with me. And so that's how that shifted. I also wanted my children to experience living in Ghana, you know, being around that culture, a different language, being around people from all around the world, going to an international school and that sort of thing. So how long were you doing that for? So I started my YouTube channel in 2017. And then for two years, I'd say I kind of did the parenting stuff. And then a year and a half, I was doing Ghana. And then it got to a point where my husband could 
come and work with me. And that's when we moved to Ghana. And so we moved to Ghana for a year and a half. And more recently, spending more time in Scotland. But I will also be still going back and forth between Ghana and Scotland. But it was such an incredible experience living there. But it's just not a straightforward life. And so we're just like splitting our time differently, basically. So there must have been a long period where you were doing a lot of traveling. Yeah, yeah. So for probably a year and a half, I was traveling to Ghana, filming, coming back, editing the footage in Scotland, uploading it. So, so many people thought I lived in Ghana at that point, but I was filming, let's say, 30 to 40 videos in a two-week period and then coming back, editing them, uploading three times a week to YouTube and then going back six months later. So I actually wasn't away from like my children for that long. It was maybe only a month, a year split up into two sections. But I managed to film a lot in that time. That is some hardcore batching right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And actually, on reflection, now that I've done both, I did that. And I've also lived in Ghana creating content for a year and a half. Batch shooting definitely works better. 100%. I was able to be so much more productive. And then I had the time to edit the videos in the week. Whereas living there, filming... And trying to edit was really difficult because, I mean, just like anyone living anywhere, shooting content and editing and everything all within a week, and you're trying to do your normal life of like looking after your children and all that stuff, it just becomes too much, especially when you're doing high upload schedules like three times a week and trying to do other things as well. You mentioned you're in Scotland just now. Do you have a huge bank of content right now that you're just kind of working your way through? Absolutely not. So if anybody follows me on YouTube, then you'll see that I've not really uploaded in four months now, which I've not done ever before. And so I'm actually like changing the direction of my channel. I'm going to announce the changes, I think, next week. And then the channel's basically going to change direction. I am still going to focus on travel, basically, rather than just focusing on Ghana. Amazing. So... Let's focus in on YouTube because I know that you have worked incredibly hard over a long, long time, as you've mentioned, to grow a successful channel. And even once you had a successful channel, then you had to continue working in order to monetize it and make enough money to sustain you and your family. What advice would you give to a business owner starting out on YouTube today? So I would say you have to be consistent from the start for the first year and a half to two years, I was not consistent. So people say they're going to be consistent, but they're really not. You have to be uploading several times a week, the same sort of time every single week for six months, I'd say, to be able to actually see something happen on YouTube. YouTube is very different from other social media platforms. And so you really have to be putting out a lot of content. Although recently I've been, you know, going between this quality versus quantity thing in my head. And I do think that the quantity can be really helpful in the early stages, but I think you can then switch to quality over quantity and not have to upload so many videos. But in the early stages, you definitely have to be uploading consistently. You have to have great artwork on the thumbnails. You have to be doing your research on the titles. What is a searchable title? What are people searching in Google and YouTube that your video is going to come up? Because really and truly, they probably won't know you initially. But after you've grown your audience, you can do a bit more vague titles. Although I still don't. 
It's so strange because when I first started, when I got to 100 subscribers, 1,000 subscribers, I thought this is so amazing. Now that I'm at 160,000, I don't actually feel like I've got that many subscribers. And so, you know, I'm looking at people with a million subscribers. So I don't feel like a big creator or anything like that, or I've got a big audience, to be honest. So I'm still, you know, growing and trying to grow the audience. So I still make searchable titles. I don't just make a title that says like, I'm going to the shop. I try and incorporate what people are going to be searching for. That makes sense. What you said about not having to produce the same quantity as you did in the early days and focusing on quality instead, that really makes a lot of sense because I feel like in the early days, people might be a bit more forgiving if they see that you've got quite a new channel and they would kind of respect that consistency. Whereas once you've been going for a while, expectations are probably a bit higher when it comes to quality. Is that something you've found? Yeah. So another interesting point is I'm really obsessed with gear. So like having really great camera gear, really great mics, having, you know, really nice backdrop, all that stuff. But what I have actually realized is that people don't really care about that stuff. They just want good content. They actually just want to see, I can't really describe it, but an interesting story. So there's been times where I've taken out, you know, a couple videographers we've got so much camera gear but that video is not performed as well as a video I've just shot on my phone going to Nigeria on holiday the whole vlog is shot on my phone but yet that video performs better than the big production so I think it's actually a very interesting base it doesn't necessarily need to be like high quality in terms of like everything singing and dancing but just like a really high quality idea Because I've actually come away from a lot of my big camera gear and a lot of the time I actually use my iPhone now, which I never, ever thought I would do. But it makes sense because it's easy to pick it out of my pocket, get those moments that if I have my camera, I'm probably just not going to get. And do you think that's changed? Do you think that people's obsession with a good story is kind of peaking now? That's how I feel. I feel like People are much more interested now in what you've got to say. Yes, you've got to get some of the basics right. It can't look really grainy and, you know, a really ugly background. But if you've got the basics covered, the kind of hygiene factors, I guess, then it is the story. And if you can give people that story quickly or entertain them quickly or give them a laugh, those are the things that people are responding to now. Yeah, definitely. I think the reason why YouTube works over TV, for example, is because people want real people telling real stories. So sometimes you don't really want that high production value that you can see on TV because you want that raw experience from the individual. That's what I've realized across the board, to be honest. Great. That's such a good point and really encouraging for small business owners. Especially on YouTube now as well, they have YouTube Shorts. So you can make really short videos. YouTube Shorts actually is the way to grow rapidly now because they're really pushing it. It's YouTube's new feature. They want that audience of short form videos. So making very short videos up to, you know, one minute is actually the way to grow fast now. So is that something that we can expect to see you do more of then? It's so difficult because I'm used to creating long form content or mid to long form. I'd say 10 minutes is probably the length of video that performs well on my channel. Although I've also done up to an hour videos. I love now watching things like TikTok. I'm actually obsessed with it. I never thought this would happen. I said I'm not, you know, opening TikTok on my phone. And now that I use it, 
I realise how it's really sucked so many people in. And so I am experimenting on TikTok. And I think for me, it's a bit scary in a way to start creating short form content on YouTube because I already have an audience of people that like to watch my long videos. But I've um, spoke to people that work at YouTube and they basically say it's two different algorithms. They don't push the short form content to the long form people. You know, it's two different things. You don't get a notification when a creator posts a short. You'll only get it when they create a long. So it's just getting over that fear of, you know, maybe not making people happy and just putting it out there. I just need to get over it. And maybe going back to doing what you love. And if you are loving the short form, then just trying to embrace it. Definitely. It's so sad in a way because personally, I really also love watching long videos. I could sit and watch an hour video probably every single day. But I know that a lot of people now especially have such a short attention span and just want to see 15 seconds or up to like 30 seconds of something. And then they want to go on to the next thing. So I know that it is probably the way to go, unfortunately. So you mentioned TikTok there. Do you have a favorite social media channel that you use to help grow your YouTube channel? So I don't actually use another platform to grow my YouTube channel at all. I know that people do that. They post little clips, trailers of their YouTube videos on their other platforms. I've never really done that. And I do think it probably does work, but I just don't want to personally, I feel like it can be annoying when people post about their YouTube videos on their Instagram. But I know that it does drive audiences over and everything like that. But I just prefer to keep the content on the platform that I've uploaded it to and make sure that all my different platforms are doing something very different because otherwise there's no reason for somebody to really follow me on YouTube, Instagram and TikTok if all I'm doing on Instagram and TikTok is talking about what YouTube video I've put up. And so if you look back on the growth of your YouTube channel, what have you done from a marketing perspective? We talked about, you know, checking the titles, having great hooks, using SEO. But what else would you say has played a key part in helping you grow? Hmm. I really honestly do just think it's about consistency. And I feel like I say that all the time, but that is all it is because with YouTube, they push your videos. So you actually don't have to be out there marketing your videos. If your videos are performing well, they'll put it in the recommendation tab, which is when you're watching a video, other videos come up the side. They'll put you on the homepage. I've been trending before on YouTube, like number three trending in the UK. They'll really push your videos if they're performing well. So I feel like all you have to do is make sure that you're making an engaging video, you know, looking at the analytics, seeing where people are falling off, making sure that you're switching that up for the next video trying to keep people watching, you know, hook them in with something or you're going to do this at the end of the video or whatever to try and make sure that there's a good watch time because that's what YouTube looked at. They want to see how many people have watched the video for how long. So you just basically need to make a good video. I know that sounds so annoying, but I do think that consistency, good topics, very good stories is what is going to get there. And also good quality to an extent, you know, it can't be dark. It has to be good audio because nobody wants to listen to bad audio. You know, all those things definitely have to be there. And then it's the story. And then YouTube will push your videos. So when you are recording, you mentioned that sometimes you just pull your phone out of your pocket and record. 
Do you have a mic plugged into it? No, I don't plug a mic in. I think that the iPhone audio is really, really good. I don't know about Android, but the iPhone, like I use it for voiceovers as well. I do have mics and everything, but it's just long sometimes <laughs> getting them out, setting them up, especially when I'm editing and I'm editing and then I'm doing voiceover as I'm going through. It's so much quicker for me to record the audio on my phone and then just airdrop it to the laptop and then just put it straight in rather than getting out the thing, recording it, getting the memory card. I feel like I just, I'm trying to streamline the process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I watched a video of yours where you said that there's no way you could do this job if you didn't love editing. What kind of percentage of your time do you spend editing? So I would actually say anyone can do it if they don't like editing, but they're going to have to pay for an editor. But I really love editing. And so I spend a lot of time editing, more time editing than doing anything else. The other thing that takes a lot of time is now emails and connecting with people, dealing with brands, that sort of thing. I'd say that and editing takes up the most amount of time. Filming really is like a dip in the ocean. I probably would spend, let's say, 10% filming, 50% editing and like, you know, 40% emails. So again, reasonably encouraging if somebody wants to set up a YouTube channel from scratch now, the key thing that's coming across from you is you've got to have strong ideas. You've got to be prepared to be consistent and everything else you might already have, like you might have your iPhone, you might not need loads of fancy equipment. And to be honest, when you're starting out, you're not going to need to worry about brands because they're not going to want to speak to you yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I'd say for a new starter, for YouTube specifically, utilizing YouTube shorts has to be in your strategy. You know, probably uploading one to two shorts a week. If you can upload more shorts, great. And then probably uploading, let's say two long form and two shorts a week, if you can do that for six months consistently, I can't imagine that you're not going to see growth. You know, like, but the problem is that a lot of people can't be consistent. This, this is the thing. It's really difficult because right now I'm not consistent, but I know what works. And I know that if I want to grow, I have to be consistent. I can't just upload and then not upload for a month or not upload for two weeks. It just absolutely doesn't work like that. People will forget about you. <laughs> Yeah, that's such a great point. And I think that applies across all marketing. Consistency is probably the most underrated skill in marketing. And so we've talked about the number of subscribers that you've got and obviously the number of views. What would you say are the best ways to get people to subscribe rather than just watching your videos? On YouTube, you know, people do say that saying to subscribe really does work. I think one thing that has worked for me is I used to always say my name at the start of my videos so that people knew who I was. Because sometimes you can watch a video, the person doesn't say their name and then you come off it, you really don't know who you've watched. You're trying to find them again, you can't find them. So I think it's important for you to make it clear like who you are in every video. And then, yeah, asking people to subscribe, you can also do. I mean, I'm on the fence about it. When I started putting subscribe, the button thing coming on the screen, I'd say that actually did make a big difference. And I also have on YouTube in the corner, you can add a logo. So that logo says subscribe. When people click on that, they can subscribe. When I added that as well, 
that also made a big difference. So I do think you actually just have to tell people to subscribe. But at the same time, they're going to subscribe if you're making consistently good content. (laughs) I mean, it's the same thing. But the other thing is some people don't even know to subscribe. And that's why you do have to tell them to subscribe because I've had people say, oh, I've been watching you for years and I've still never subscribed. But I also don't actually think it matters so much. It matters for brands. And when you're dealing with collaborations and things like that, but it actually doesn't matter for views these days. It makes no difference, basically, the amount of subscribers you've got. If you've got an amazing video, you could get like a million views without having, you could have a thousand subscribers. I mean, I was watching a video today. The person had 3000 subscribers. The video had 400,000 views. And it was about top tips for going to Disneyland. So it doesn't really matter. But the only good thing is that as long as your subscribers have turned on notifications, they will get a notification when you upload your video, which can increase the algorithm to push your video. Because if they all watch your video in the first hour, the algorithm's going to think, oh, this is a good video. So push it out. That is one good thing about having subscribers, but they do have to have their notifications turned on. So is it fair to say that YouTube has been the place where you've invested most of your time and energy for the past six, seven years? Yeah, so I've been doing this for five years now. And so, yeah, I've definitely spent most time on YouTube. And I find that YouTube takes the most time in general. (laughs) So for Instagram, I find that it's much easier and quicker to create content. And brands also are willing to spend money on Instagram for ads and stuff like that. Same with YouTube, but you have to put in so much more effort for the same reward, basically. That was kind of what led me to ask that question, because if it is a whole load more effort for almost the same return, what is it that keeps you motivated and keeps you going on YouTube? The great thing about YouTube is that it's monetized from upload. So it's actually a totally different thing. I was actually thinking more about brand deals and in terms of like numbers. You know, I can have less numbers on Instagram and brands will be willing to probably pay, you know, a similar amount for way more numbers on YouTube. In terms of like the platform in general, YouTube is definitely a better platform in terms of monetization. There's something called Google AdSense, which means that as soon as you upload your video, after you've got over a thousand subscribers and 400 hours of watch time, you can monetize your channel. And so when you upload a video... From that moment, you're getting money from YouTube, from Google. It's a revenue split. So they take 40%. You get 60%. Every single month, you get a paycheck, basically. And that's just the ads that are playing. You get the money from those ads. So that's what's different about YouTube as to Instagram. I think TikTok actually does something similar now, but I'm not sure because I'm not in their creator program. But it means that a video that I made five months ago made me so much money last month and didn't make me much money in the first four or five months. You know, this is passive income after you've uploaded the video that could go on for years and years and years. So finally, I know you don't think you've got a sizable audience, but I think to everybody listening, it probably sounds like you have a sizable audience. You've got a life that you love living and working between Ghana and Scotland with your family. What is coming next for Vanessa Camby? So I definitely want to push myself, challenge myself in different areas outside of social media. One thing that I've had a goal of doing for a long time is more, you know, presenting TV work, 
I'd love to make documentaries. It's something that I wanted to do before, but then like I really got sucked into creating content on YouTube and everything. And I do want to continue creating content for social media, but I also want to develop myself outside of that. So I'm looking to do more TV work, presenting, and kind of switching up the content that I do do on YouTube and social media as well, because doing something for so many years, you know, you need to freshen it up, I feel. Even just for yourself, if not for your viewers. (laughs) Yeah, for myself. I mean, the viewers, I think they would definitely be happy with me just continuing doing the same thing that I've been doing. But personally, I find it really difficult to do something that I feel like I need to refresh. Great. So thank you so much for joining me today. You've given loads of value and I know that people listening will be far more informed about YouTube than they were at the start of this episode. Where can they find out about you and follow along? So you can find me on YouTube, Vanessa Canby, or Instagram, Vanessa Canby. TikTok, I'm just starting. So I'm on there, but I'm not doing much yet. So I'm there as well. If you want to email me, that's just hello at vanessacanby.com as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And I can't wait to see what comes next. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Bye. Well, I am absolutely convinced that you will have picked up at least one nugget that is going to help you on your audience growth journey from that great insight and discussion with Vanessa. It's so interesting to hear her take on how things change and evolve over the lifespan of your business and how things change and evolve on platforms and we need to adapt and change in order to keep up. On next week's episode, it's a solo episode with me when I'll be sharing with you three audience growth tactics that you can use today. So make sure you hit subscribe and I will see you next week. Thanks for joining me.